Hello and welcome to the Football Ramble. We thought we didn't care about England, but now we all do again. It's Thursday the 19th of November. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushin the Hunter Raja. Yes, boys, another win for England. We're going to come on to talking about all the home nations in the Nations League in a moment. But first of all, how are you both, Vish? You've been cooking up a storm again in your kitchen. I have, yeah, yeah. The kind of, um, I've started doing it more over lockdown and just posting on Instagram. But I realised because we've been in lockdown so long that I'm just cooking the same three things over and over again. <laughs> and every now and again, I'm getting, you know, weird DMs from people not naming any names, you know. <laughs> saying terrible things about the food I'm cooking but well, you know you get by don't you you're getting we trolled you get getting yeah, trolled getting trolled by someone we're doing with the, doing a podcast with right now actually <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> foulest <laughs> mouth in the ramble oh yeah I do have a bit of a foul mouth I wouldn't say it's trolling though we were just both um, smashing our chicken at the same time yesterday weren't we <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Smashing that sounds. Not only does that sound bad, you've actually cleaned that up as well. Yeah. The message you actually <laughs> and also, oh, it's not even the worst thing that she said today, is it? In, no, the, no, in our not company. Not at all, though. I'm so sorry. Uh, on the other, <laughs> <laughs> this was a good start, wasn't it? On the other hand, Jim, uh, you just got yourself a packet peppercorn sauce and a steak last I night. I did. I did. And no then I had a night there. terror. So it's been uh, it's been been emotional and mixed. Apparently, steak give, gives me night terrors. So. I thought That's it was meant to be cheese. Yeah, well, so did terrors. I. Um, but also, you're meant to have night terrors. Uh, it's a, they're supposed to happen more when you're younger. If, if you don't know what night terror is, it's almost like a sort of bit of sleep paralysis, bit of hallucination, bit of sort of Victorian kind of haunting all sort of rolled into one. And generally, people have them when they're a bit younger because um, their frontal lobes are still growing in their brain. I, as we know, am not a bit younger anymore. <laughs> so I maybe I am actually being haunted. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would take the pro. I would try and spin that into a positive and be like, you know, maybe you are young. <laughs> maybe your frontal lobes yeah. are still growing. Yeah, maybe yeah. I, maybe my metabolic age is in such good shape <laughs> that, that I've gone back to my God, My 20s. body is a temple and my mind is in bits. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you've just still got a bit of mind maturing to do. I mean, I know I do and I'm yeah, 34, so. I think that's absolutely fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, lovely stuff right let's talk about the football because heading into last night's game for England against Iceland I think it's fair to say that there were quite a few football fans that were just like what is the point of this match England can't get through to the Nations League final so is there any point in playing it but then we beat them 4-0 and it was actually quite a special night for some of the England players in the end and, and I quite enjoyed it I was I was actually quite surprised at how much I actually liked last night's match and I think it's because we got to see a, a little bit more perhaps of what might come in the summer what did you boys make of it Vish? Um, yeah it was uh, it was exciting um, it wasn't quite retribution but it was a way of like if you walked past you you know the guy who bullied you at school you know whatever whatever you decided to do at that moment that's what this felt like a little bit too late you know we would have taken Euro 26 or <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was a pretty special performance. I kind of, I feel like over the Nations League, I've been trying to work out what my ideal England team is and that put me a little bit further away from it because I just don't know. Um, because, you know, we, we've, I know we've spoken about it quite a lot on the show, but England have to play one way against good teams and one way against teams that aren't quite as good. And that was a perfect example of how 
they need to take advantage when they're in that situation where they've got quite simply more guns than the opposition. So, yeah, really exciting. The age profile of that squad as well, I'm quite excited by. Um, one thing I, I was thinking on the way in was that I don't know if I'm any more confident about the Euros next year, but I am more confident about what's beyond that. Given the age profile of, as I said, of all those players, it's quite an exciting future. And whether or not Southgate can get the right tune out of them next summer, obviously that'll be quite a big problem given we've had all this build-up. But, um, for, you know, beyond that, I'm, I'm quite hopeful of England generally, really. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same about the squad. It's, it's a bit of... It's a bit of a Rubik's Cube at the moment, isn't it? In that a Rubik's Cube is broadly a good, fun thing, but they're actually really difficult to like solve and, and actually complete and, you know, I guess finish the purpose of. Because I'm exactly the same. I feel like, you know, Phil Foden's come in. There's not going to be another England game till March. He's had a really, really good game. The sort of performance that demands inclusion, even if it is against Iceland, with respect to them. But they're in, in that group for a reason. Um, so it just looks like... It's a lot of ingredients, isn't it, in in that squad? And and that's that's not you know you got Raheem Sterling and Harry Kane are gonna play like when when they're fit. That that's that's guaranteed. So it's down to whether or not he's gonna have three or four attacking players effectively. And I guess he's gonna rotate that for the the quality of the opposition. But I still don't. I feel a bit nervous about the whole thing because I can see a situation where we get to the Euros. And the first team sheet comes out and we're all like, what the hell? Like, why is X player there? And why isn't the you know, Y player included? And blah, blah, blah. And that, that midfield is still, a, is still a bit of a conundrum. And I don't think we're any closer to kind of feeling like that's settled. We're, we've now got more good options, which is the best case scenario for that problem. But it's still, it's still a bit of a strange run. And I really enjoyed seeing um, England play with, with a lot of ball-carrying players. Like Jack Grealish and Phil Foden were obviously exceptional at that all night and again you have to you know look at the quality of the, the opposition and realize that they're, they're not probably going to have as much time on the ball as they they, they would do in, in in other games but um we've wanted this for a while haven't we we want him to yeah. take the handbrake off and like and just see what happens if you let those creative players be creative and it was it was an encouraging sign that he's looking at he's looking at how that works because hopefully you know there, there will come a time where we do actually need that sort of creative spark in one of the bigger games and he'll know what to do if we need to sort of, you know, put a key in that lock. Yeah, I feel like whatever starting lineup he names in that first game of the Euros, we're going to complain about it no yeah. matter what. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's um, he's banged to rights on that. I can't wait to to tweet my anger at a perfectly reasonable <laughs> 11. Yeah. Eric Dyer at the base of <laughs> midfield. It's all right, Fish. You can just bash some more chicken if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, is we, is we talk about this as England fans, but actually what a better position to be in than to actually have a squad where you're going, oh God, we've got to have him playing in that position or he's playing out of position or someone's going to have to fill that hole because that player's injured and, and who knows what kind of state this squad are going to be in in terms of their fitness after this Premier League season because we've already seen how many injuries there have been and we'll, we'll come on to that because the EFL have now allowed five substitutions. We'll talk a bit more about that later, but who knows what kind of shape this England squad are going to be in come the Euros. I think it's good that we're in a situation now where with the next few months building into it, that Gareth Southgate can actually have a think about what the best team is and what the best formation is to play against different sides and, and how that he how he can adapt to that. Because actually, I think what we have seen in the Nations League in these last couple of months is that there is a certain amount of flexibility, particularly with the attacking players, isn't there? Yeah, 
very much so and fluidity within that as well and that's um that's a really important thing um it's, it's as i keep going back to i just feel like there are going to be times where um we have to just have a go at the better teams because luke touched on this the other day but i i do i agree with him that the the narrative around England actually having played quite well in defeat against Belgium is um, is fine if you're two years away from a tournament that you're building up to. But at this point, I don't think it cuts it. You know, I don't, I don't think that's good enough. So um, there, I, I, it's, it's loser talk, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah, we lost two 0 but we were actually pretty good. It's like, you know, that's just loser talk, Gareth. Stop it. Like, can you imagine Spain or France like dishing out that sort of loser talk after a game? No, you can't, can you? And that is what we are purporting to try and aim at, you know. So I just feel like uh, these situations. I think he's doing the right thing by by, by being so sort of gung ho in this game and, and testing that out. But I, I feel like that there does need to be a big kind of step up in improvement in those games in March. In the it's the uh, the the qualifiers, isn't it? Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a long, a long, long way to go. I, I enjoyed this game, but I am sort of like, I, I think it's a bit of a th- kind of you know a bit of a three star international break for England. Overall. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think this this game that performance has been pretty good PR actually, considering we're not playing for another five months. And I wondered actually if you know, I was, so like cycling through the players, if you look at the younger players who are getting serious minutes to their clubs, that's. Sancho, Grealish, Biakosaka, Mason Mount, Rice. I can probably throw Tammy Abraham in that, and you can probably put Foden in that as well. And then you've got older players who've kind of come into the setup and and done well, and are just doing well domestically. So Danny Ings, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. We're going to be in a situation where, so the squad aren't getting together for another five months. We know how many injuries we're having already. We're only going to have more as the season goes on, but. England seem to have a depth now, a better depth than ever before, to cope with those last-minute hitches. You know, like when Gary Neville goes down before for a tournament or Steven Gerrard goes down before a tournament and we're all panicking. I don't think it'll be quite as bad beyond maybe Kane, probably. Kane goes down and you kind of think... Even someone like Rashford, actually. Rashford goes down and doesn't play. You look at the people you know uh, England have on the wing and you think, actually, we might be all right, actually. Um, and I wonder if... Because of the defensive issues, as Jim said, it was a three-star kind of England, um, or rather international break. And I wonder if, if, and I know he won't do this because he's a fairly conservative manager, but given every team at the Euros is going to be knackered, you know, it may as well be sponsored by lactic acid, that tournament. It's going to be a mess. And because England have so many good players on the break and so many, importantly, so many quick players, that I wonder actually, we'll probably be in a situation where UEFA are going to ratify through five subs for that tournament. Yeah. And we'll be in a situation where we can almost treat it a little bit like NFL, where you can have line changes or the, or the NBA where they can replace a whole lineup, you know, five particularly, but get those, um, get fresh legs on as early as possible and similar kind of players as well without having to change shape by bringing people on and giving people a rest. I wonder if that's maybe the way to go, but that's an easy, overly ambitious way for me to talk in this studio six months before that yeah. when it's not my job but I wonder if maybe that would be a way to go about it it'd certainly be a fun way to do it'd be it great wouldn't it you get Sterling one half Sancho the other half in every game Yeah, keep it'd that pace up be like cheating on FIFA it'd be immense wouldn't it I mean yeah. I, I can actually see that happening especially the way things are going this season um, more on that again as we say in part two when we talk about the, the new five subs rule um, but as you say a bit of positive PR 
can't hurt England heading into what is now a bit of a break because last night was their last competitive match um, for quite a while. And I mean, who needed more positive PR but Phil Foden and to get his two first England goals, a really good night for him. And he actually became the youngest player in England's history to score more than once in a match at Wembley. A really good night for him. And it was sort of seen as a bit of redemption, wasn't it, after what happened last time that England played Iceland. Um, This is what he said after the game. He said, it was one of the hardest moments of my life. That's the time you need the trust of your manager. And Gareth Southgate has a lot of respect for me and it means everything. I just wanted to repay him with the goals and do well. And that he did. Not a bad night at all for him. Oh, it was a brilliant night, wasn't it? And it, the thing is, he looks so comfortable. He Because one of the things that really stands out about his game is how comfortable he is on the ball and how even the, something about the way he just, he stands up tall and straight, doesn't he? He, it, it, Phil Foden, just look, his body language is that of such a com- like confident young man. And, you know, it, 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 there was no difference between the City Foden and, and the England Foden, which is an impressive thing at his age, especially in the context of what's just happened. And, um, you know, he really was, was just playing with so much vim. And um, it, it's good that there's probably just a full stop on this now. You know, we know how the press works, he even acknowledged it himself. Like, hopefully this story would just be relegated now. And, and hopefully the same will be true for Mason Greenwood soon as well. In a way, I hope this helps him rather than being used as a stick to beat him with, which I'm sure it probably will in some quarters. Um, but we'll uh, we'll see about that, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a really impressive night for a lot of England's young players, wasn't it? Bukai Saka as well, as we touched on earlier. And, and Mason Mount as well. I think fifth start in a row, was it? And scored a goal, obviously. And... I mean, he's been suffering from not being Jack Grealish in the eyes of some people, but the fact they play very well together and Mason Mount was another one that's carried the ball really well. His goal was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. And did you see he and Declan Rice's adorable interview after oh, the game? I just oh, my loved God. It. Aren't yeah. they cute? Aren't Isn't they? it just, just adorable? Best mates since they, since they were eight years old, playing and scoring for England together. I mean, that is brilliant, isn't it? I, th- I think the... I, I don't know if um, if people have seen it, but when Chelsea played West Ham... Last season, uh, you know, like Jules, you know how this works. You know, you'll go and interview one player, you'll go and interview another. They did their interview together. I know, and it was incredible. And like a lot of the, it was a round table, so there were people from I think every paper there, and they all left it thinking that was so good. Of all the interviews that those journalists would have done, you know, Miguel Delaney of the Independent did it for us, and he was just like, I wish they were all like that. They were so open, it was so lovely, and it was nice to remember that. While they have like made sacrifices to get to the top, they've had each other to support them all the way through. Um, I, I would definitely recommend seeking out those interviews off the back of that, um, the one they did for England yesterday. If you want just more some some more wholesomeness yeah. in your life, yeah. And also as well, like it, it's easy. It reminded me that there was a, there was a time where I was a little boy and playing for England was like a genuine ambition of mine. Before I understood that that you know how it, um, impossible that would be for a, a young lad of my skill set. But those two guys, obviously, they had that dream that every kid that loves football in this country has had, and they've they must have dreamed about that together and, and joked about it and talked about it when they were playing in the street and now they've actually lived it and it was it was so nice to see the genuine joy on their faces and the completely you know the, the unmedia trained smiles of, of just two, two mates living their dream together what a beautiful thing that, that's exactly what it was, is that we're so used to seeing players be interviewed after games and them coming out with almost these sort of they feel like rehearsed answers don't they and you, you we've got so used to that but 
what I think we saw with Mason Mount and Declan Rice yesterday was was like a genuine bond between two mates and and just like an outpouring of love and pride, not just for themselves and their families, but but actually for each other as mates as well. You can tell that they're actually proper best mates. And I just think that that's something that is so rare, as you've just mentioned there, Jim, that these are two young kids who grew up together from the from the age of eight and have both made it not just in the Premier League playing for their clubs, but actually playing for their country as well, starting a game together and then scoring in that match together as well is really special because when you think about the hundreds and thousands of young kids who dream of being a footballer and maybe their mate makes it, but they don't, or their mate makes it to a certain level and they don't. But these are two guys who from such a young age have done done it all together. And I'm sure there have been a lot of ups and downs along the way for both of them. But here they are on a, on a really special night where they've both started, they've both scored. It's just really lovely, isn't it? I think we know enough about football at that level to realise that it can be very hard to maintain friendships, especially for two players who play fairly similar positions. And the fact that they have is a blessing in itself. You know, Rice's story is, is of someone who got let go from Chelsea and had to find his own way. And you might, you know, in, in that situation, if you've got a best mate and you've come up together, suddenly you split and you think, right, OK, well, you're living your dream now. I'm worried that you're going to leave me behind or maybe I like, you know, Maybe you're a bit too big for me. There's so many different emotions that go through your head in that particular situation, and so it's just a, it's just a good it's just a nice human story, isn't it? Yeah, Beyond it's, football, it's it just is. yeah, it's a, wonderful. It's a nice human story, but also I think as as players, I mean, Declan Rice has such an important role in this England squad, being that holding player that does a lot of the dirty work, that is also a great passer of the ball as well, and and can really pull the strings. But I think Mason Mount has been a really interesting one because after Frank Lampard got the job at Chelsea and Mason Mount obviously then went back to Chelsea, there were lots of questions asked a year or so ago about how often he would play. Will he be a a starter? Will he be a regular in this Chelsea team? Well, he's proved that he is. And now I think because of the belief that Frank Lampard has shown in him, he's now also becoming a regular for England. And I think that his versatility has has made him so key to England. We've already talked about the sort of different ways that we've seen Gareth Southgate kind of play with with the, the different setups and the different players that he's putting into positions. And I think Mason Mount fits perfectly into that mould because he is so versatile as a player. And I think that will do England the world of good. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly when... Um, there's a lot of competition for those places and you, you perhaps need someone to um, perhaps step in if when they're not uh, expected to because of, uh, you know, an inevitable muscle strain or something like that. But what we saw that was so impressive last night was that I think you can make an argument that Jack Grealish and Phil Foden are those players as well. And when you put them together, the way they buzzed around and interchanged was really, really impressive. And that is something that might... Um, you know, it might be a real boon for England in 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 the future. That is going to it's going to cause headaches for a lot of defenses. That because you 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 know you mark effectively marking three people depending on you know how well they interchange. Yeah, they're the kind of they're the kind of players that really feed off of each other. I think, and a lot of this is down to the tactical acumen of the manager because it seems that in the past England's best players have had to leave a little bit of themselves behind in order to fit in with with certain other players, whereas. You know Grealish and and Foden, and especially Grealish and Mount, after the way that they've been, tr- people have tried to play them off each other, and 
you know, they, they really do see, seem to kind of challenge each other to, to take their game to the next step. And the, similar goes for Sancho as well. You know, Sancho came on and, and did did really well yesterday. You could tell there's like a, you know, it's almost like they're walking past people playing football in a park and thinking, actually, I want to, can I join? This looks yeah, like a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll be all over this. <laughs> yeah. I think with the, um, sorry, just the last, last point, I was realised just um, as Jim was talking about those players that, while obviously a bit of good PR was getting the getting this result and that performance and Foden's goals as well and putting his issues behind him, it probably also was was Grealish doing that interview about Mount, you know, when it was put to him and, and he spoke really well about it about it and said I enjoy playing playing with him. And while the performances haven't necessarily been totally convincing over the last couple of weeks, there are a few things they have sorted out, kind of off you know, not necessarily outside of the pitch, but certainly beyond the result and, and performances. I think they're it would be nice to go into this break and not have to worry about any kind of, I suppose, any of the rumour, any of the bluster about that kind of stuff. I think they they can go into the new year with clearer heads, basically. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of positives to take after last night. Um, so despite the fact that England beat Iceland 4-0, unfortunately, we haven't made the finals. It was Italy, Belgium, France and Spain that have made the Nations League finals, which bizarrely aren't going to be played, Jim, until... After the Euros, this just seems slightly odd, doesn't it? But are those four teams from what we've seen in the Nations League definitely going to be ones to watch going into the Euros next summer? Yeah, I think we've got Italy, Belgium, France and Spain in there. And obviously, they're all always names that you would expect to be there or thereabouts in any European tournament. But like, I actually feel like... Have we forgot about Italy? They do this, don't they? They're never the favourites ever for anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've got no reason other than to think, hmm, it seems about time for Italy to pop up and surprise everyone. So I think in a, in a weird, in the same way that this is a weird year in which someone unexpected might win the Premier League, I have, I have, Italy looked pretty good the other night. Um, I wonder, could they, could they sneak in the back door of the Euros? Start off slowly like they do deliberately, the old cliche, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Could it happen? I don't know. Maybe, but yeah, I think all of those teams, like France, um, France obviously had a surprising defeat against Finland recently. But that, you imagine that's a bit of a blip. Spain and Germany. I mean, I know it's been covered, but wow, just yeah, absolutely ruthless from Spain. Just absolutely relentless. And I mean, obviously they they're going to be um, they're scary. They're scary. I'd hope someone else would take care of them before England met them uh, if if we were to get that far. And <laughs> I mean, Belgium. I mean. You know, how do you feel about Belgium going into it? Because obviously they're the you know top ranked team in the world, but there's a lot of pressure on them now. There is a real now or never feel with them, and that's never a good thing for any team. No, no. I think we um, the way England played against them, or certainly the way they played against England. Rather, I think they. I don't think we can take too much from that. They they took they got their two goals as they did in the first half, and they thought, oh, well, we'll just chill out. Well, yeah, well. It's just, Let's let them get a bit excited about it, but let's just you know <laughs> stay where we are. Um, yeah, I mean, like you were spot on from what you said at the start of that point. We're gonna have a, probably gonna have a surprise Premier League winner, or certainly the cards are stacked that way. Surprise Euros, we can be that surprise. Yeah, we can. I hadn't thought of that. That's what I'm saying. Although I realise, though, if you weren't English listening to this, these first 20 minutes, you'd think, <laughs> like, why are they getting themselves yeah, up like this? What, what, we do it every time. time. Know, every yeah. bloody time. But actually, don't we, don't we like that? Don't we want that? Because the, you know, the pain of England going out of a tournament, particularly a tournament in which England have actually been good, is 
I mean, it's the depth of feeling is almost exquisite, isn't it? It's almost it's like the opposite of love at first sight. Like it's <laughs> like it's so painful, but at least you feel right. It's so yeah. rare that you feel oh, anything, even if you're the most emotive it. person. So yeah. maybe I, I think we actually like this. I think we set ourselves up for a fool on purpose. Yeah, I mean, I was when I was talking about you know how England might play and how those players will play together. My mind was doing absurd things there. I'm like imagining football, you know, they're floating around in space, you know, quite balletically kicking a ball around. And I know what it's going to be. We're going to lump it up to Harry Kane. We're going to need Rashford running around the side, squaring it to Sterling who misses. This is, and then we'll shout and get angry. No, is, no. I, like I've got full belief. Do you know what? By next summer, coronavirus is going to be over. Lockdown will never happen again. And England are going to win the Euros. It's going to be a beautiful thing. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm feeling positive. Well, for more on Spain's thrashing of Germany, what it means for both sides as well. I mean, we could talk about it for ages, but we'll let Dotton Adebayo, Andy Brassel and Nicky Bandini do it a little bit later on On the Continent. They're going to look into that game in a little bit more detail. And they'll also talk about the newest goal-mad Serie A team, Sassuolo. You can find that exactly where you find your podcast. Just search for Football Ramble Presents. And that's not all, is it, Jim? We've got loads more good news. We do. We've got a bit of good news constantly really so uh, if you like what you hear from us every weekday uh, we've got loads of extra content over on the Ramble Patreon including Ramble On which is a weekly half hour of the most wonderful nonsense where you can hear about our fantasy careers our dream football dinner party guests you name it Uh, here's Vish describing his dream career he doesn't choose to break his own leg like Pete did but somehow (laughs) it is just as contentious so obviously I'm English born and raised my parents are from Sri Lanka Mm -hmm. and from a young age I thought well, it's quite hard to get to play for England. I didn't come through academy. I came through the birthday setup. Really, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. Park Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, well, my best chance of playing international football is to play for Sri Lanka, uh-huh. despite being a Manchester United player. Well, no, no, uh, as in like, so I've already, so this oh, is the thing, okay. I've already made right. my debut for Sri Lanka at the age of seventeen. I see. But it just so happens mm. that despite the fact that I've played about 10 internationals, because yeah. I pull a bit of a Ryan Giggs, I can't be after that after a while. It's a long trip. But I know that I'm going to be good as yeah. well. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Mugs. Um, <laughs> so, because it's the FA, mm. the, you know, the, the might of the English game, we managed to get to a situation where we can have them wipe. They're not really. <laughs> <laughs> if you thought Jack Grealish was looked at, looked at, you know, with with unapproved eyes in Ireland, how are they going to treat you in Sri Lanka? He's played ten games with. <laughs> they were all friendly, though. Yeah. <laughs> And so my my debut yeah. is at Wembley right. against Sri Lanka. There we go. As if it could get any worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. You turn coat. <laughs> so I become the first yeah. international player yes. to score yeah. and then do a muted celebration. Nice. <laughs> like that. That I do <laughs> that is good. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm sure, I'm uh, pretty sure the Sri Lankan FA will not be happy with that fish. Um, anyway, there's loads of good stuff on there for subscribers to enjoy it for as little as $5 a month. So head to patreon.com forward slash football ramble to get involved. What do you have to say for yourself, fish? I said what I said and I stand by it. And if the, if the Sri Lankan FA want to come at me, please, well, I mean, don't because I've got other things on. But... <laughs> That's so withering. That's worse than come at me. Yeah. Don't even bother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too busy for you to come at me. No, I'm a th- I've got three lines on my chest now, not the one. You're so odd. You're so odd. <laughs> All right. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the other home nations in the Nations League. We'll get to some of your emails as well. 
ramblers. All right, it's time to get to some of your emails. Just email show at footballramble.com Right now, so can email us that's right show at footballramble.com or tweet us at footballramble on the twitter we love hearing from you and we've got a couple of good ones today haven't we we do we do i'm gonna start off with one from jake barnett and he says hi all hi jake hello jake Vish and Pete mentioning their plan to form a Transformer Nations League team. Right, I just want to say here, we didn't announce a plan. We are not trying to bind together countries <laughs> to, to take on other countries. Historically, that hasn't worked particularly well. Oh, I rate, I rate Prussia's chances this time. Yeah, it's not wise, is it? Uh, but it did remind Jake of when one was actually made for the 2016 World Cup of Hockey. The NHL wanted to stage an 18 tournament, but there were only six countries that could field a truly competitive team. So to solve the problem, they created two teams. Team North America, made up of under-23 American and Canadian players, and Team Europe, made up of all the other European players whose countries weren't included. I quite like this. To coach Team Europe, Ralph Kruger, a former NHL coach, was selected. Kruger was actually chairman of Southampton at the time, a job he held for five years, and the Kruger Team Europe miraculously made it to the finals, <clears throat> only to lose heavily. Sorry, to the he- lose to the heavily favoured Canadians. So, when the combined Montenegro, Faroe Islands, and Gibraltar team are led by an NHL executive to the final of the 2024 Euros, you can't say you were not warned. <laughs> Cheers, Jake. It's basically the Ryder Cup, isn't it? Yeah, sort yeah. of. But I quite like that. I think we've discussed it before about how you could make, you know, you can make up a team of players who haven't played in a Euros. And like Ryan Giggs was always in it and things like that. I think Goran Pandev was actually someone who always made it in, and now he's going himself. Yeah. Lovely stuff. There it's lovely go. stuff. We we got another email here from Brooke Graham, who sounds to me like I'm going to say Valley Girl. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a very, real Valley Girl name, but. I... I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what you like, Brooke. But anyway, uh, Brooke's been in touch to say whilst listening to the most recent episode of the Ramble, I was thrilled to hear Kate mention the proud ancient ancient sport of camel jumping. During the chat, she claimed that the record for camels <laughs> jumped is seven or eight, but was instantly shot down and cruelly mocked by Pete and Vish. With Pete asking if the record is two, and Vish claiming that one would two <laughs> that one would two <laughs> foot the second camel. You absolutely would. Yeah, I think I, I'm with you on that. Whilst I do admit that Mason may have used some dramatic license with her claim the record is in fact six seven or eight is clearly much closer to the truth and vish and peaks pitiful and frankly insulting claims even further with many pundits predicting that the, the golden boy of the sport yemen's uh, zaid omer will soon beat his record by jumping his seventh camel she may still prove to be vindicated have some respect for the great and noble sport you little <laughs> slugs honestly i expected better that's from um brooke graham in the valley um so that yeah i mean that's mad six camels I did. I did Google this yesterday, actually, because I got so many pelters. People are like, "What are you?" It was as if I'd said something, you know, really outrageous about, you know, like Israel or something like that. Honestly, the number of people who DM me and were like, "No, that's still to come." They were like, "God, you're, you're so naive, aren't you?" And I was like, and I, I googled it, and of course, it was something on trans world sport. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, of course. But it was—it's genuinely incredible, and they stood up. It's not like a long jump. They're stood up and they're on a ramp and they jump up and over them. I've just hit my mic and just, you know. <laughs> I, I'm amazed by this. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I know in uh, is it UAE they do camel racing where they have robot jockeys. 
So camels are involved in some of the oddest sports on earth. I suppose the moment you introduce a camel to anything is immediately odd because they are (laughs) some sort of Hieronymus Bosch style nightmare. Have you ever ridden a camel? No, I haven't. Have you? I have ridden a camel. Did you see over the hump? It's (laughs) thank you. I could. Um, It's actually very uncomfortable. Yeah, have you seen a camel? Well, yes, I have. I've ridden one, as I just said. Literally, like even getting on it is really hard. It's hard to mount a camel. (laughs) And presumably, once you're on the camel, it's a camel and it's mad. It's a weirdo. Um, So getting like get corralling them must be difficult as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I wasn't controlling the camel. I just sat there and did a little walk around, like a little sandy sort of bit, and then got. Call that the desert, yeah. Yeah, that, that thing. <laughs> Where's the bar? Is there a bar here? <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it wasn't particularly comfortable. So um, fair play to the camels for their jumping. They're not doing the jumping. They're being jumped over. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wait. Okay, hang on a minute. I need to Google this because I, when you guys were talking about it, I thought the camels were doing the jumping. Nope. It's a, it's a person <laughs> it's jumping a over a camel. Man. Yeah, all women. I mean, <laughs> so firstly, how do you get the camels to be complicit in this? How do you just get them to stand there in a line? And also, presumably, if you... You're going to... People must land on the camels all the time. Yeah, the, like, like, it's, it's absurd, yeah. But it, by, it, by the way that Jules is talking about camels, maybe they deserve a kicking every now and again. <laughs> you don't seem to approve. Wouldn't it be better if the camels did the jumping, though? I'd watch that. Oh, absolutely, it would be better, but I don't know how you... I mean, <laughs> I guess maybe this is where the robot jockeys come in. If they can improve the technology in the robot jockeys, maybe they can corral them into jumping themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, the, the vi- Watch the video. There's a video on Transworld Sport, and it's really weird because all the crowd are really... Really near, so they're they're like if the if the camel kicks out, then you know they could really do some damage. I don't know if camels do kick out actually, but if if they could, then they would. I've seen but it's like, kick. <laughs> you know the you know like at the start of the Masters or like on the first team when there's that big crowd, you're like, God, you're gonna hit someone in the face here if yeah, you yeah, get yeah. that wrong. It's a yeah. little bit like that. Mm. Talking of um, weird sports on telly, um, did any of you watch the World It Championships the other day? Oh, I I saw that it was happening. I didn't actually see any of it. It looks amazing. It's so addictive. I switched on on, on sun, I think it was on either Sunday or Monday. I had a couple of days off in a row. Uh, I was I was also uh, semi-sedated still from the dentist and I got really hooked into watching uh, basically two grown-ups running around a playground playing it, but it was actually the World Tag Championships and it's it's a proper thing, like commentary and everything. So good. How do you qualify as an it commentator? I don't well, know. Well, I, I was going to say, that's Jules design up her next gig. It's <laughs> <laughs> only fun an eighth that. day in the week. Oh, yeah, right. It's a lot of side job over there. All right, let's move on and talk about uh, the other home nations in the Nations League from last night. Congratulations to Wales. They beat Finland 3-1, which means they're now promoted to League A and winning their group virtually guarantees them a playoff spot for the 2022 World Cup qualifiers, which will help if they miss out on qualifying via a traditional route. And they're now unbeaten in 11 competitive matches, which is the longest run in Wales's history. Three goals last night, Harry Wilson, Kiefer Moore and a brilliant goal from Dan James as well. So I know that Vish, you quite liked that Dan James goal, didn't you? I did, I did. And it was nice to see him, you know, have that moment. And he set up the 
the Keith Moore goal as well, didn't he? Um, <clears throat> because he's struggled a bit at Manchester United through no real fault of his own, actually. He was brought in as a, you know, obviously he's a youngish player now. I think he's 24, 23, 24. And so, but he was expected to kind of hit the ground running, even though he obviously had to deal with playing at a, a league above as well and with a greater expectation on him, I suppose. And he hasn't really been playing his favoured position because he's had to do more of a job on the right side. Whereas I suppose modern day right-footed wingers tend to prefer coming off the left. So yeah, it was, it was nice to see him have that moment and um, have some joy in his life because certainly Manchester United haven't been bringing yeah. in many. Kiefer Moore looked almost annoyed that he'd scored a header. He was like, another header. I'm not just a big head, guys. It was Play a really good header as I know, well. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a real sense of existential despair on his face. Maybe I just project that onto people. That's, <laughs> that's what I got from it. <laughs> um, I think there'll be some uh, pleased Tottenham fans watching as well because Gareth Bell got subbed off in the 61st minute. They don't want him to get injured, do they, Jim? No, absolutely not. And I think, you know, his, his, uh, his match fitness is something that needs to be managed sensibly, isn't it? I think, you know, this might sound mad for me to say, but I think we all want to see a... a, a you know, top level fitness, Gareth Bale in the Premier League. Yeah, I just wanted 100%. to see if um, if he played the whole game, what Mourinho would have done on Instagram, to be honest. That's all I care <laughs> about now. That's football for me. Just just Jose Mourinho's Instagram. Yeah. Camel jump in and Jose Mourinho's Instagram is all any of us really need. <laughs> I am, I'm here for it. Um, what about Scotland losing to Israel? They needed to win. They didn't. But do they care? They're going I to don't Euros. think they give a shit. No, yeah. they give zero fucks. <laughs> I think they're care. still pissed. They should care. Don't care. <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> just booze all the way through to there. Just, you know, ha- just whatever. I don't I think they give a shit. I couldn't give a shit for them, to be honest. So. No, they're, they're probably all Good still drunk from celebrating, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. um, also, a cracking quote from Ireland striker James Collins after their goalless draw against Bulgaria. Ireland are winless in eight matches under Stephen Kenny. Seven games without a goal now. And uh, this is what, Uh, Collins had to say after the match he said we wanted to win the game and had the better chances to do that but we just couldn't break them down but on a positive note we haven't been relegated so that's a bit of good news I mean if that's what that's what you're relying on for good news I mean (laughs) is that a dig against Northern Ireland though I reckon so yeah (laughs) is it it news is is a table sort of stacking up in the way a table was always logically going to news (laughs) no I suppose it isn't actually Like no. you don't you don't get enough points to win the Premier League and then get a fax through going, We've got some news, you won it. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have some actual news though. Um five substitutions is now allowed in the EFL. The board approved it after several consultations with the clubs, and this comes into effect as of tomorrow. There's a Friday night championship game between Coventry and Birmingham. Five substitutions are going to be allowed for the first time since the season resumed. Um, Now, the QPR manager, Mark Warburton, said that he was initially concerned about how five substitutions would change the dynamic of play, which, Jim, you were referring to a little bit earlier, weren't you, when we were talking about England and the Euros? But Mark Warburton finishes off by saying, common sense, though, has come into play. And I think that all round, this is is news well received by the EFL, especially when you look at the amount of muscle injuries that have already occurred this season. Uh, Richard Masters said that he doesn't expect the reintroduction of five subs in the Premier League for the foreseeable future. I wonder whether there might be a reconsideration on this now that the EFL are doing it. What do you think? What do you guys think? I think there has to be. I think there absolutely has to be. The Premier League's out of step with, you know, most of the other top level leagues in Europe or all of them, I believe. And, um, 
On the 26th of October, Pep Guardiola said, yesterday everyone got the statistics that in the Premier League we have 47% more muscular injuries than the same period last season. Now, that was you know, obviously that was on the 26th of October. 47% more. That is, I mean, it's a crisis waiting to happen. That was obvious even without the benefit of hindsight. It was inevitable that that would be the case. We're starting to see it happen all, all over the place, particularly Liverpool's defence uh, that, that seemed to be you know, pulling up left, right and centre. And it, it was, I mean, it was inevitable, you know, like the, to, to try and squeeze this much football into a, a, into a truncated time period without any sort of concessions to like getting rid of friendlies or, or perhaps resting a cup competition or anything like that. You, of, of course, more football with the same squad sizes, with the same amount of substitutes is going to lead to more injuries. It's just, it's absurd to, to stick the head, stick, uh, you know, for the league to stick their heads in the in the sand and, and ignore that, and I understand what the what some of the teams are saying that it gives a competitive, it, you know, it gives some of the bigger teams an advantage. But some teams are just always going to have more of an advantage. Do you know what I mean? If if I go speed dating with Zach Efron, he's going to have a certain <laughs> advantages. That is just the way the world works, isn't it? So I just think it's players' fitness and health that's that's at, um, that's at risk here, and they're being being treated quite badly actually because it's going to affect the euros as well it's you know like this is realistically arguably the most anticipated euros in in history because the circumstances also because of the fact it's it's all over europe you know and and it's something that we're all looking forward to to give us a bit of relief from this horrible situation we found ourselves in and it's there's going to be big players missing and and there are going to be tired players and it's going to be like you know when wu-tang clan used to go on tour but they wouldn't bring everyone like and just sometimes it's like, who is that? Is that just one of their mates? Like it's gonna be a bit like that. And I just think we you know, I know that the leagues don't necessarily care about international football, but I think we need some joined up thinking to protect the players here and it's it's frustrating and it needs to change. Yeah, I mean when you look at Liverpool's list of players that are injured, Vish, it's it's quite something. Fabinho's got a hamstring injury, Virgil van Dijk out for the rest of the season with his knee injury, Joe Gomez out for a long time with a knee injury as well. Jordan Henderson's got a bit of a muscle injury. Andy Robertson's injured. Trent's injured. Thiago's injured. Mo Salah's got COVID. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's got an injury. And then Reese Williams also pulled up with an injury while away with England under-21s. It doesn't look too serious, that one. And some of them are less serious and, and could be back for the game against Leicester this weekend for Liverpool. But still, you look at that list of injuries, Vish. It's, it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously teams are dealing with injuries across the league, but they seem to have had it really bad. And so, you know, so specific to one side of the pitch as well, which is all the more crazy. Um, the it's When when this was floated before the start of this season, I, I was kind of neither here nor there with, with these. I could see the merits on both sides. And I was more of a mind that, as Jim said before, it was going to favour the bigger teams with bigger squads and stuff like that. And I could also understand why it wasn't voted through because at no point during, let's say, in the era of the Premier League have the big teams ever thought about what's best for everyone, really. Even going beyond Project Restart at the start of the year. So I can understand why smaller teams thought, well, I mean, I just, I just don't believe you. I can understand the logic, but I know that you, that you, the reason you're pushing for it is because that you can benefit with it more from other. And obviously that's not really the case. And I think what has been quite important is that other teams in the Premier League, not just those focused on the top, have come out in support of five subs. David Moyes said something a couple of weeks ago, didn't he, about how he he voted against it, but actually now seeing how it would pan out would 
um, would vote would have voted the other way, and and that is important. Actually, I think you know people are allowed to change their minds, and I think ultimately it'll, it'll come down to a vote, won't it? Either way, even if Richard Masters decides right, we need to change it, it will have to be ratified by all the Premier League clubs. So, yeah, it'll be um, it is absolutely the right thing to do because it's just not workable, is it? And like. I know they, you know, they have the state-of-the-art fitness trainers and the, all, all sorts of technologies to manage them through a football season, but this is absolutely absurd. And it's it's not fair on them, really. It's not fair on anyone. Um, and it's certainly not fair on Jim that he's got to go speed dating with Zach Efron as well. <laughs> as someone who grew up with good-looking mates, I, t- I can totally understand that. It is, yeah, it is not the one. The thing is, though, I, just, just to finish on that one... Um, as a Brighton fan, look, I can understand why some of the teams in the Premier League that don't have as much depth in their squads as the bigger teams, which of course they're not going to because they don't have the same financial status as those clubs and therefore they don't have those type of players they can bring off the bench. And of course, that that will be seen to some clubs as a bit of a disadvantage. But ultimately, when you look at the length of the season, the amount of games these players are playing, I don't think it can be a disadvantage to any team in the Premier League if they have the ability to, when they are 2-0 up in a game, to take off their best players and rest them because every single team in the Premier League will still have their best two or three players that they don't want to get injured. If that player gets injured, they're absolutely screwed. So if they have the ability to bring on a player and keep them rested and keep them not kind of getting an keep them from getting an injury later on in a match or just in terms of fitness just not making them play every game 90 minutes because they don't have to and they have the ability to make five substitutions in a game it's not a disadvantage because as you boys have both pointed out the teams that have more money in the Premier League have more of an advantage anyway because their squads have better players and that's that's always going to be the case. So personally, I'm all for the five substitutions thing. And I think that if there's anything we can do to protect the players from getting injured, then I'm I'm certainly all for it. Um, let's end on a bit of a light story here. Uh, we love this one. Andre Konchelski getting absolutely mugged off by the United team. Um, you remember he joined Manchester United from Shakhtar Donetsk in 1991 and he didn't know much English when he joined United and his teammates were trying to help him get on the side of the manager, Alex Ferguson. So they taught him a few words, didn't they, Vish? Why are you threatening to me with this? You're, <laughs> you're, you're the swearing you're a, correspondent of the Ramble. <laughs> you're a United fan and I thought you could take this one. But to be fair, I, I, I no, wait. You who was above me in that list of of potential swearing on the I think pod? Luke Jim, and Pete, perhaps. Jim, were you not above me? I was hovering below. I swear, an obscene amount in private, um, <laughs> but went on a microphone. I'm a little bit more disciplined. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll take this one then. Uh, this is a warning. If you are listening to this with your children, please tell them to fuck off. <laughs> Oh, God. Please mute now. Uh, Right. Uh, (laughs) The United team told Andre Konchelski to tell Alex Ferguson to fuck off, you Scottish bastard. (laughs) So when they first met, that is exactly what he said to Fergie in the corridor. I love the fact that Fergie took it well, though. He knew exactly what was going on, didn't he, Jim? He did. I don't know about you guys, though, but like, I feel nervous even hearing about that. The idea of saying that to Alex Ferguson, even if he knows it's a joke, like that makes my blood run cold. Such was the yeah. magnetism and the, and the power of the man. 
Imagine if someone does that to Roy Keane. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never see them again, will yeah. we? Kinchelskis was a great player, though. It's just nice to hear his name, isn't it? Like, yeah, just, yeah. Oh, and what a, what a horrible beginning. I guess maybe maybe he was so good because he just had to be after that. He had to redeem himself. It, why is it that uh, whenever you are learning another language, you always learn the swear words first? That is actually a thing, isn't it? Yeah, it seems to be. Um, I think it's definitely a sort of like football banter thing, isn't it? It's like I'm sure every player learning a new, lang- a new language has been sort of tricked into that before. But that is like that has got to be the most direct hit in history. <laughs> that yeah. Is amazing. yeah, that's a big Even- target. Even as a kid, um, all of the Filipino words, my mum's Filipino, all of the Filipino words that I remember are all bad words. That like none of them are, are useful in any way. Like I couldn't I couldn't talk to one of my aunties in Filipino or to my mum and have any kind of decent conversation, but I can tell them what my poo looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> Your faces. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think you Bish. should stay at home. I, I think you should stay at home. I am. I don't think um, you're safe in the outside world anymore. Are you still on that medication from last week? <laughs> oh, God, a bit stir crazy. Uh, Vish, do you know any Sri Lankan interesting I know loads, words to yeah, tell us? Yeah. Go on, um, go on. No, well, I mean, I, because they're really, some of them are really bad. You know what? A lot of the bad That's words the I learned. That's the point. A lot of the bad words I learned from my mum. Because she would constantly use them at me, so like she'd constantly call me a madu, which is like a which is a cow, but in an uncomplimentary way. And um, yeah, other such words. Yeah, I think she loved me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she did. She's only let I, me live with her long enough that I got the impression that she was fond of me. I tell you what, I think she loved you, but not as much as if Zac Efron was her son. And uh, that's where we'll leave it today. Um, Bish, She's not going to sleep with her son, is she? Well, that's, <laughs> why have you said that? Oh, why are you God. putting that in my head? On say a Thursday? goodbye. Goodbye. Jim, say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Tomorrow's show is Marcus, Luke and Andy. Make sure you join them for more rambling. We'll see you soon. This is a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.